Jamie. My name's Robert. And the tune you heard at the start of that intro there was a uh, friend of the pod, uh, Andrew Mallon. Top man. Top man. Uh, it's a great to let us uh, use his very creative version of Glenn Daly's Celtic song, which we asked him uh, if we could use. What was it? Maybe Monday, about half past one? Uh, something like that. And then about 20 minutes later, the club retweeted him. Um, so if any of these weren't retweeted by the club, just uh, just drop us a message. But no, uh, delighted for him. I'm glad we a message. I'm saying I'm glad we asked you before you were famous uh, and you only want any royalties. Before uh, this week, let's uh, let's get it. Let's sparkle open first of all. Ooh. There we go. This week I have got a siren brew. Um, what is it? Seven Sins, I think it's called. Yep, Seven Sins. It's in a very goth-looking can, which is um, ironic, considering it's International Goth Day, I believe. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Aye. expecting you to say International Goth Day. Um, aye, okay. Uh, is, what, what have you got for it? Have you, let me guess. Cup of tea. A wee cup of tea. Cup of tea. Capitucci, we capitucci on you. So, I brought this tradition, but uh, I'm I'm all right with that. You know, I feel like it's all right to to sort of let the listeners know that you just don't always need to drink alcohol. Like Robert does. Well, I'm feeling a bit left let down to be honest, but you mate. I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll survive. Um, for me. Say that again. You have a question for me. I do have a question for you this week. Um. It's Seville-related. Good. So, who scored more in the UEFA Cup run? Henrik Larsson or Hartson, Thompson, Sutton and Petrov combined? Henrik Larsson. Is that your final answer? Yes. you want to expand on why you're so confident about that? Top goal scorer that season. I know he was deadly. He scored 13, I think. He's goal in the final. And Larson was twelve, and I think Larson's twelve was more than them combined. Although when I think back on it, Petrov scored a few for us, Thompson as well. But I'm going to stick to my original answer. I'm going to shoot for Larson. Okay, okay. Well, seeing as you threw me under the bus, I'm throwing you under the bus. They actually scored the same amount. Um, in the entire run, it was actually eleven goals that Larson scored in the Euro, uh, UEFA Cup. He scored mm-hmm. 12 in total because he scored against Basel. Mm-hmm. But I didn't include that because it's not the UEFA Cup, it was the Champions League qualifier. Whereas Hartson get three, Thompson get three, Sutton get three, and Petrov get two throughout that entire run. So they both scored the same. Get up, you. So how do you feel right now? You feel... <laughs> I feel somewhat vindicated, to be honest. You feel good? You feel like, you feel like a big man? I you just... Feel... I feel like I've got a wee bit off... That I'm kind of pasting in that chip on my shoulder a wee bit. I'm just putting a wee bit of polyfiller in it. Uh, okay, well, listen, I'm, you know, I always feel that people who are ultra competitive are just low self esteem, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bite, mate. You know, you can have that one, uh, enjoy it, I'm sure you sleep well at night, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, I guess we'll move on to news then uh, before 
before uh, <laughs> the mere stints. I'm that. I was sounding Monday, I, you know, on a emergency uh, podcast, I, uh, broadcast, sorry, I was sounding Monday, I never took the points, despite the fact I got the answers correct. Um, so, you know, that's, you, that's because you didn't, you, want, you, you didn't want it. Let's move on to the news. You were afraid. Um, <laughs> okay, so we keep keeping the date of the news this week, Robert. The only things that I've really been keeping an eye on are the what is going to be in now a summer of transfer mystery and probably turmoil. Where will we keep Eddie? Will we keep Ayer? These kind of will we won't we? Um, try to keep a track of invisible bids that are coming in just because people need to sell newspapers as well. Mm. That's been preying on my mind a wee bit. But I think there is a wee bit of truth in a couple of them, to be honest. I, I do believe that people will be looking at Ayer. And uh, Eddie, obviously, um, and possibly Cham too, and dare I say McGregor, but I don't think I think out of all of them, McGregor's least likely to go, obviously. Um, and it, I think he's probably other than Eddie, least replaceable as well. Um, but I, it's all that, and it's it's no mugs that are looking at the boys as well. It's our big teams, which is good. Do you think uh, if, for example, a Leicester can make a twenty-three, twenty-five million pound bid for Ayer, then the club would pull the trigger on that? Um, I think at that point they would seriously consider it and leave it kind of up to the player whether he wants to talk to whatever club it is that tabled the bid. Mm. I think that 25 $23, $25 million is a good trigger for a player of Ayer's quality at the moment. And potential, because he's no way nowhere near finished the finished article. Sorry, and it's he's at that point now where I think if he does go down south, it will go one of two ways: he'll either kick on and be a right, right good player, or he might just be kind of one of these mid-table guys. He's a guy. Um, I like him. You mentioned a few weeks ago, but he's sort of he's fighting, he's sort of tenacity. Aye. I, I, I worry though. Uh, I seen him in August last year playing at home. We playing against. Oh, I can't remember who we were playing against at home last year in August. That's terrible. But he was playing at right back. He'd been pulled to right back uh, for the game, and obviously a pit. They'll see up at four or two. You can sort of, you can see him kind of pounding up and doing the wing. Um, and he was the ball out of play like a sub, you know, a substitution or something like that. And, he, and he's bending down, sort of slapping his knees, you know, sort of like try to put some life into his legs and Lennon said after the game that he'd had a few knocks in the weeks before and was playing through them and I've, he's came under a bit of criticism recently for some of the fans uh, in the past season I think the general consensus is that he's a good player a, you know a really good player but you know that stuff about him not being able to jump you know and that you know he's not got to turn the pace and that sort of stuff you know but I, I would, he's a player I'm looking forward to seeing after we come back for, for this pandemic because you know, there's another one we spoke about. He's played three, four consecutive years of football now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see a fully fit Chris Ferreira coming back. Whether or not I think we'd sell him, I think you're going to find a lot out about the ambitions of the club this summer because we'd have, you know, to have potentially one of the biggest seasons of, you know, of history. And if they go out and start selling the you know, the, the crown jewels, then we're in, we're in bother. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if this might be one of the 
know, Lolly left us a goal. You know, never went out and strengthened, you know, and, and after a new left, he kind of, I said, stripped the team, you know, and, and cut the wage building substantially. And, you know, there's always been a criticism of Celtic historically that they don't capitalise on positions of success. And I'm just, my concern is that if he goes out this summer and, and starts, I just don't believe we need to take the chance. Um, I just don't think it's a risk we need to take. You say, well, I'll put you to play somewhere. Joe's was likely to be away in the next few weeks, I'm, I'm right in saying. Um, I thought his contract was up, but if no, you can't really rely on Joe to be a number one centre half because he's you know shown in the past he's injury prone, and then you can out and sign somebody else, you know, hoping that they're going to come in and, and be a success. Mm-hmm. Um, if the club sold Ayer for twenty three and brought in Scott McKenna for five or for three, would you? You would, would, you would, would like that. Would you call that a good bit of business? I no, no. I mean, the shareholders would, and the the boardroom would. Because they'll see, I, I think with Scott McKenna, I don't think there's any danger of his losing the league mm. with a guy like Scott McKenna coming in. Good player, knows the league. Get a bit of growing to do, but I think he, with better players around him, he would also improve. But um, it's still that, that kind of constant flaw that we have where we don't seem to be getting any more competitive in Europe. Uh-huh. We've kind of plateaued. <clears throat> well, there's a wee bit <clears throat> more news that actually might influence some of the conversations we're having. Um, we've spoken, uh, you know, personally in the past few days about the refunds the club are offering. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's four, four or five fixtures, four fixtures in the season book that fans are entitled to apply for refunds for on the basis that the fixtures won't be fulfilled. Uh, the club announced a statement on the website and then sent a single tweet out notifying fans of the process under which they can apply for a refund and I think it's fair to say that the process is quite convoluted. Um, they need to f- print out a form, fill it out, you know, post it to the club and then they'll get a cheque sent out to them at some point in the future. Whereas if you look at, you know, the alternatives for example, Partick Thistle which obviously will have a, a smaller number of, uh, you know, a smaller number of season ticket holders substantially smaller, are just in a backs transfer. Uh, you can apply for it and, and not just sort of doing a bags transfer now. I did see John Paul Taylor tweet out yesterday that there was an email account set up to support people who could print off and, and do that stuff. But how do you think the club's handled that? How, how do you think that, you know, could they have done it a bit differently? You know, do you think they're doing this to try to hide it to so less people apply? What's your thoughts? Um, I think it's, it's the right thing to do in terms of offering the, the money back because I know people don't want to hear this and it's not a kind of traditional view but football is a product and people pay for a product and they should get what they pay for and they're not getting what they pay for there's games left to be played that won't be played so they're due a pro rata amount of that back which is fine which is perfect which is what Celtic are doing and what other clubs are doing but I, I do agree with what you're saying in terms of the need to go to our website which was moved by the way so in the original tweet um, the link it was either an original tweet or an original statement, sorry, the um, the link 404 so it took you a page not found unless you went to find it again because I sent it to my dad and he was struggling to find it until I had to look for it all over again. But once you get to that page, you download a PDF or a document or whatever and then you need to print it off, post it away. It's just all a bit, a bit of a faff. But again, I don't know how the ticketing works behind 
closed doors because it's not necessary. It's all contracted out as far as I know. So it might not be our policy. It might not be up to us at the end of the day as a club. It might be up to whoever organises the tickets, the ticket master or whoever. So it might be then that's forcing Celtic's hand. I don't know if it is contracted in that regard. Uh, I, I think they use channels like Ticketmaster, or, uh, but when you go into the club's portal, mm-hmm. if it's club specific, it doesn't look as if it's a sort of mass product. Um, and I know they use the Zebra Finance stuff as well, you know, yep. partner. Um, but but other than that, I think the ticket office is actually people who are employed by the ticket office are employees of the club. No, I believe I, I think that's correct. But what what I'm saying is that it's probably this um, big piece of software, if you like, that a ticket and specific piece of software that Celtic will have purchased. They'll be trained how to use it, and that will be our own in-house kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it is another company who build and make it, so it will be in the way that that's made potentially. Again, I am totally guessing, but having worked in web development and marketing and stuff, I've seen stuff like that before. But again, I'm not 100%. I'm just guessing. But that, to me, is the only good reason I can see for Celtic doing that, making that process so kind of old-fashioned. We've got estimated figures that if everybody was to apply for this, it was going to cost the club about £3 million, quid, three right. million quid, which obviously would impact on operational side of the business and, you know, kind of turnover and that sort of stuff for, for, for the next year. And that isn't, you know, including any loss of revenue for, you know, additional uh, sort of, you know, aspects of playing out football fixtures, you know, fans buying stuff and, you know, ticket sales in the day and, you know, ticket sales for Rangers games, for example, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the club could generate some goodwill in this instance by recognising that these are unprecedented times. And by being quite open and honest with fans, because the criticism made of them, and it's one I do, I do sort of stick with, is that they're quick enough to tell you they've got an in their own t-shirt or so, you know, and they're quick enough to, to tweet you telling you that there's a party on Saturday, you know, and that everybody's welcome to go into the Celtic website and, you know, sort of interact with the, with the players and that sort of stuff. And, and that's good, that's what they should be doing. But when it comes to taking money, it's okay, but when it comes to giving money out, it's sort of hidden through, through different channels and, and made quite a convoluted process and Yes, you're right, there might be uh, sort of logistical reasons for that, but whether or no fans choose to take that money is entirely up to them. Um, you mentioned that football is a business and as a product. You're exactly right, and you, you, know, you do expect to get the product that you pay for, but if you expected to get the product that you paid for and it was a business and it operated like a product, nobody would be watching Celtic. Nobody would be watching Rangers. Everybody would be watching the top two teams in the world. You know, you, yeah. you you would go. It's it's so yes, it's a product, but it's no, it's not a logical process being a football supporter. You don't mm-hmm. follow the best team in the world. You follow your team for a multitude of reasons, whether it be family or history, or whatever. And I think that the club could have could have been a bit showed a bit better sort of you know showed a bit of better faith to the fans here by sort of just being open and honest about this process and saying like, here's the situation. If you want it, then here's a website you can go on and just fill in the form and we'll get it back to you as quick as you can. Okay. Could take six months, but whatever it is, we'll, we'll get it sorted. Aye. Just, Aye. I just don't think... And by the way, I think actually the way they've done this, a few mere fans might actually go and take the refund because of this. I don't know if that's me you know, being ridiculous, but I think a few fans, you know, it's one of the things, if you do treat people like customers, they'll start to act like it. Hmm. 
I don't. I think that for whatever that form has on it, I don't know of why of a reason why they can't just set up a database and a a, web, a website and a database themselves. It's so easy to do, and that would take all the data that they needed, and you can do all this paperlessly. Oh. It's just I, uh, and as well, I had a, another thought about how to kind of treat those four missing games, if you like. We tend to play three to four rounds of European qualifiers every year. Why would you not? If people want the money back and they need it, then now that's fine because it is difficult for a lot of people now with being furloughed or not even maybe not even getting any money. If they want the money back, they can take it. If they don't, you can have the option of either just writing it off, right? Nah, that's fine. Club can keep it. Or <clears throat> if you choose to renew your season book. You can get your qualifiers, your European qualifiers for free on the book next year. Because that's one thing that annoys me quite a lot, that you don't get those qualifiers and you're a hundred quid down before Celtic have kicked the ball in European European, um, competition Sorry, proper. So I don't know. And as well with those games meaning so much money, like meaning so much financially to the club, then why would you not want to fill the stadiums? Why would you not want to make it as easy as possible to get 50,000, 55 in well, plus through the door? You know, there might be legal reasons as to why they have to offer a refund. You know, I, I don't know that again. There might be a legal reason as to why they kind of just say, we're not going to give you your money back, but we're going to just give you four games next season. You know? No, no, I mean, give them the option. All three options. But, money but back. They might back to his own that. I think they might come back in, you know, during a July time and say, listen, only... 16% of people applied for the refund last year. So to say thanks to the supporters, what already is this? I think that's, mm. if they're going to date, they'll wait and see how many applications come in before they, they, they commit to something like that. Um, I, don't, I don't disagree with you, but uh, I think it's a good idea in principle, but I think they'll just wait and see. But, you know, they'll, you mentioned the other one, it's a product and it is a business, and I think it's one of these situations where the club will try and just get through this with the least expenditure and outgoings possible, because there's the income at the minute. And, you know, that's that's what this is. It's, not, it's, a, it's an attempt by them to get through the next few months with the least expenditure as possible. And if we get to July time and there's an opportunity to do that, then they might <clears> throw <throat> the fans a bone and say, look, here, thanks for your support. There's, you know, a free a free game against somebody at home in, in the right. Champions League qualifier or something like that. But it's just a bit messy, isn't it? And it's, it's a kind of, it's one of, the, one of these sort of unfortunate things where, you know, you kind of... <sighs> It's no nice, I don't think it's no nice scenario to be in, but I just think the club could have been made up front and honest about it. Any other business? I don't think so, no. I mean, oh, I've got a, I actually just remembered. Apparently, again, this was a snippet I saw on Twitter. We are looking to extend Craig Gordon and Johnny Hastings' deals. Surprised if we extended Craig Gordon. I'd be surprised if he accepted it, but I think it'd be silly not to try. Because there's no guarantee that Forster's coming back, and that would leave us with just Scott Bain. Mm. That's no good. That's a bit concerning. I don't think <clears> I would have <throat> hoped, you know, maybe we had confidence to keep Forster. The thing about Gordon is as well, um, Gordon, Gordon's quite open about the fact he's no happy, no play. You know, like he's sort of, you know, never he's never been professional, but you know, I'm sure I've read him recently sort of saying, look, you know, this is the ideal at my age to sit on the bench and that sort of stuff, you know. I always thought he'd have he went back to hearts. You know, I just always assumed that when he's contracted his time is up at Celtic, he would have back to to hearts. But uh, 
Hayes, I'm happy with, you know, Hayes is like 32, but he's fit as a fiddle and still one of the fastest players I've got, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying he's a the world beater, but he's a guy I don't mind coming into the team and doing a job for us, absolutely fine, um, good squad player to have, <clears> happy <throat> at the club and certainly seems popular amongst the players, but right. Gordon's a bit of a weird one and I hope that doesn't indicate that for, uh, Foster is the, is the good thing. Hmm. We'll see, I think it's just early doors, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you've, have you seen the news, just to finish off here, about uh, obviously, because it's going to impact us next season as we push for 10. Have you seen the news about Rangers and Yanis Hadji? I've read rumours of a £4 million deal, if that's what you're referring to. Is it just me or is that, like, astronomical? It's never going to happen. I, I will be so surprised because I don't know where they're getting £4 million to spend on a player when they needed £10 million what, five months ago to keep the lights on for the rest of the season? So, I just don't understand. No, but I mean, Plus, he, it's £4 million, pound, you know, like, that's a lot of money for, for a, you know, he's obviously, he's seen to <clears> well <throat> there, but, you know, he's been in the team every right. time they've, they've, you know, they've lost the games. Uh, I don't know that, you know, he's, it's not as if he's, you know, come on, change things for them at all, you know, it's sort of just been... No, he's, he's a bit of a, bit of a Charlie Masonda. He had one good 45 minutes in that European game that they had, one good through ball. That home game against Porto, I think it was, or Braga. Braga. To be fair, I've not seen enough for the guy, so, you know, I, I don't know if he is. He, you know, could be, he could be a, a tremendous player and, you know, four million pounds an absolute snip, but it sounds a lot uh, to me, especially for somebody coming for his again, again. Ah, uh, somewhere like that, maybe. Belgium. Okay, um, should we move on to our main feature? Yes, let's do that. I think this will be quite a quick one. Uh, aye, well, it depends. What are we talking about? We're talking about the top five worst Celtic games of the day. Uh, this will be as quick as possible then. Um, <coughs> I'm, I'm curious as to how many of these will have, uh, you know, will, will have as, as the same one. Um, do you want to start, as, as always? Uh, yes, okay. Um, so in no particular order, because again, I was just going through all my back catalogue, my memory, trying to figure out. I've not had too many kind of really bad days at the office, if you like, at Celtic Park, which has been good. But one of the first ones that I remember that popped out at me was Maribor at home, 2014. So my list. Aye, uh, 1-0, we lost. Absolutely horrific. Just drab from beginning to end. Toothless. Oof. Aye. It was just, just all round bad. It was uh, it was weird because obviously you drew one each of them away and they just looked as if they had nothing. Uh, it just didn't look as if they were a team that could come and sell park and contest, but it sort of typified that Ronnie Dyer side. You know, like they just had that in their locker and I've got another game of theirs um that I'll talk about, but you know, they just looked as if they they had that locker that you could just capitulate and I don't know if it was a pressure or what no, it was a you know, a full house and it was a it's another one of the ones where he started Griffiths the bench, he started Commons in the bench, you know, and Commons come on in the second half, but Griffiths doesn't go on. You know what I mean? And you've got Stokes and John Gaberga up front, you know, at the start of the match and it was just a a bizarre night. And it was one of the nights where obviously we, we fell into the Europa League, but it was one of the nights where it did quite substantial damage to us, I reckon. You know, like the finances at that point, you know, every mm-hmm. year they get a Champions League, it's another 
you know, a couple of decent signings. It's, it feels like at the minute because the money's just so so big. Um, but that was just that was brutal. And plus, I think the, the, you know the issue with that and all was you know the, what had happened the weeks uh, the weeks Aye, before it. I well, given a second chance, and we absolutely fluffed our lines in a big, big way because, as you're saying, that Maribor side are so average, so so average. Hmm. Aye, um, so let's say about that the better then. About that the better. Um, I'm going to, for my, I guess it's my my second one. Uh, was the most recent European uh, fixture. I like. I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Champions League. Um, if Celtic could play a mini-tournament that finished on the 31st of August every year, and we were guaranteed £15 million, pound, and, you know, we didn't get the three big nights of the Champions League, I would shake your hand and say, thanks very much, see you next season. Um, I'm sick to the back teeth of watching Celtic getting beat in Europe. Um and it doesn't happen all the time, and when it doesn't happen, it's fantastic. Like we're talking about the Man City game, I thought you said, oh, it's brilliant. When we can hodder in and we can compete with teams, then it's good. But as you mentioned earlier on, the gap between us and the rest of Europe, or the gap between us and the elite clubs in Europe, is just so substantial now that that season we were last in it, which is, I think, 17 18, where we uh, beat 5-0 with PSG. Was it seven one the PSG? You know, get scaled half Barcelona. You know, even the year before, get a tank half Barcelona. I just don't. I just do not take Aye. any pleasure. They turn up to three home fixtures and screaming during the Champions League anthem. You know, three times and then watching YouTube clips for four years. Like it does nothing for me, man. Because you know, it's it's no. I like watching Celtic win. You know, at home in Motherwell just as much. Um, you know, obviously the big ones are, are the big ones, really. You know. And, but I like watching Celtic when it means just as much to me when we win at home domestically as it does, um, especially next season, you know, but it means as much to me winning at home domestically as it does, uh, you know, in Europe. And I just, the, the defeats are just getting too big, man. I just, to be honest with you, I just can't take it in a big way. Right. And uh, every year we seem to have that one fixture, once or twice a year, we seem to have that one fixture where you walk out the stadium just feeling that you're shell-shocked. Um, and this year... That's obviously happened twice, but the worst one was Copenhagen, like, without a doubt. Um, Copenhagen must have no believed their luck when they turned up at Celtic Park four weeks ago because they were mince. Like, <laughs> they were absolutely awful. And I'm, like, I'm not saying that lately, like, you know, I'm not saying that to sort of discredit them for any reason, really, you know what I mean? I just... I just was not impressed with them in the slightest. The two centre halves when you turned them, they just looked like caravans. Um, yep. You know, the, the wee guy up front was, you know, was what, 36 or something like that. And you know, they scored the goal in the first leg, the equaliser, but it just didn't look as if he had any, any legs. And, you know, he was trying was a, you know, to do tricks and all that stuff in, in, in tight spots, but he wasn't really, you know, doing much. And the, the, the right back was a good player, the, the guy with the fair hair. Um, but apart from that, I just thought they were. You know, they were, they were poor and they were there for the taking and really, we, we, you know, we should have gave them a do and obviously Big Jozo's, you know, made a mistake um, and, and it, well, what a mistake it was. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I was, I was just, I walked up to, I, I, when I came out the stadium, I walked up towards the Street train station and I just couldn't believe it. Like, it was just like, we should have took three or four, I think. 
And I genuinely thought after the first leg, I thought we'll we'll give him a tanking next week. And for the minute I walked into the stadium that day, I just felt a bit on edge. And then obviously when they took the lead, you're thinking like, what is going on here? You know. Hi. So that that would have been one of the ones that made my list, but I wasn't actually at it, so it did not make the list. However, one mentioned there did make my list. PSG at home, 2017, 5-0. Horrific, man. I was... Like, I'm, oh, I'm, one, I'm all for turning up and knowing, like putting your hand up <clears throat> and acknowledging when you were beaten by a better side. And absolutely well that time. But again, you're right. I am tired of turning up and not even competing with these guys, man. Bayern was... Bayern was only 2-1. We had that was it eight minutes or something? <laughs> but again, we never get a sniff after that. I think Bayern were just a lot more professional about it, whereas PSG would just quite right, just did not show any respect and just mugged us off for 90 minutes. It's horrific. Oh. And well, I, I'm just not up for that. Well, look at, you know, look at that couple of seasons there we played. You know, we've basically played, am I right in saying that Man City are funded by Abu Dhabi? Is it? Is it? Um, it's one of the Emirati. What one is it? Emirati countries. I think it's that. Let's go. Let's go. Abu Dhabi. Qatar Sports Investment have played what half a half a billion into PSG in the last, you know, five or six seasons, maybe just a wee bit longer. Yeah, effectively playing in the Champions League you now against countries. You know, like it's just state-funded football clubs. See that game? I was, I was, uh, I was living in South Korea at the time. And I used to take, uh, I was teaching, and I used to take extra early morning classes. And because of the time difference, it was nine hours ahead. The Champions League kickoff for me would get up, means I had to get up at 4.45. And then I would, you know, obviously watch the game for two hours and I'd go to that, you know, first class, which would start at 7.30 or something. And I've never been so angry after watching Celtic playing at home in Europe. For the reasons you mentioned, I was, you know, just completely no, couldn't get near them, and you know that's that's credit to them. You know, Rogers, as I've mentioned before, made that worse. Rogers' stubborn refusal to play a more pragmatic style of football in Europe, you know, made things inherently worse for us because he still thought he was going to go out there and take on teams and play football with them. And I've said before that I think that was Rogers protecting his own image and reputation because what Serge had on that night was kicked the shit out of him. They should have put the first few tackles in and just said, "Look, he's can fucking, you know, he's can take a couple of goals off us, but they're going to know we're here." You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there was there was nothing, you know, there was nothing there. There was no fit. You know, they just passed it. Well, you had you had one one person at it, Tony Ralston. That was the only one that was <laughs> leaving the foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to his credit, you know, he's he was playing against Neymar, you know, and he's he's no fear. You know, <clears> tore a new one a couple of times, but he was right back up and on him. Whilst uh, right. you know, obviously he's kind of. I think he's just about found his level at St Johnston there, and he's he was a good right back. But, but I admire that about him watching it that night, and you know, he, 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 he acquitted himself well. I thought that that game. Aye, I mean, Neymar will do that to players much much better than Tony Ralston will ever be. Again, no disrespect him, but he's he'll do that to everyone. Yep. But I and I like that about. I thought yes, man. If you're going to try and. If you can't kind of beat them at football, then you need to, you need to find other ways. And he was prepared to do that that night, but he, unfortunately, it looked like he was the only one. Yep. Right. Uh, what's next on your list? Um, I'm going to go for 
got a couple of issues for you. I'm trying to sort of put some order in them. I'm going to go for the 31st of August 2008, uh, where Pedro Mendes scored that boy. Oh, aye. In a 4 2 uh, Rangers 4 Celtic 2 game at uh, Celtic Park. Um, Celtic team that day, when I look back on it, actually reads quite well. It was Boric, Hinkle, Cogwell, McManus, and Wilson. Nakamura, Hartley, Scott Brown, and Aidan McGeady, Maloney, and Sanas up front. And from like you know, from the first kick of the ball, we just didn't look as if we were there. You ever walk into Celtic Park and just know we're going to get beat? Uh, I can sometimes tell with warm up. Do you know? I don't even. I take a look. I've never thought about looking at the players to see their body language and that. Aye, I can kind of. I've a look at them and they split into the wee groups and they do. The one two touch pass, and then I have a look at the strikers. And if you've got your strikers are just consistently bang, 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 hitting the net, then usually that's enough for me. I'm like, right, that will be fine. But if it's a bit rough, it looks a bit rusty. If the rondos are a bit sloppy, then oh, I don't know, I get a bit hairy, I get a bit itchy about that. For me, it's a weather. If I'm walking in a silly park, <laughs> if it's sunny and you know it's a good day and music's playing and that sort of stuff. That's it. Very few times I can remember is uh, getting beat, you know, on a lovely day at Selly Park, you know. Um, <laughs> but this was a Sunday morning, I'm sure. It was an early kick-off. My parents were in Portugal. And uh, the minute I walked into the stadium, it was like a dull, grey Sunday morning. And it was... I just I just had a feeling, man. I was just like, you know, this isn't going to you know, this isn't going to be a good day. Uh, and it was, and it, it was the, you know, we just we had nothing for them that day. Um, to be fair, it wasn't a bad Rangers team. It was uh, EBT. No. Um, it was EBT sort of, you know, to the hilt. You know, it was kind of Godfrey, Bagheera, Papa, you know, Mendes, Thompson, Kuzan, and even four two flat just because it was Nakamura's free kick against uh, Nakamura's free kick in the last minute. If you remember that we won, but that you know was telling about that is that, that the entire stand behind him, the goalie he shoots in, he's empty. Um, so it's, it's it's no, it's just one of the games where I left. I was like, this is going to be a rough season, you know. You could tell what was coming, and and obviously what what came was was Rangers going to win the league quite, you know, in the end quite quite decisively, you know. I I mean that's what I was going to say. That Rangers side were. Better suited to the bad weather, if you like, because there was a there were grafters and they were kind of rough and tumble a bit. They had a bit, they had a good bit of dig about them, a bit of fight. Um, was that the year they went to the UEFA Cup? It was four months after, three months after. After it, aye, because it's roughly the same starting eleven. To what I remember, been, I don't think they sold many players. And I don't no. know if Cusan was in there. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe not, but. Well, he's a big bad man, wasn't he? He just he scored a against Celtic. Well, it's just yeah. one of the games I just when I look back on it, I just think, ugh, you know, <laughs> that's probably about the best noise for it. You know, I mean, it was it was just it was wrong. It was just thinking to begin at the end, and yeah, I, I, I said about that one a better. Definitely. Uh, I see. So I've got I've got a few left. I'll just pick. I mean, I get I get C on at home. No, no. See. We went out. Uh, yep. No, no, we went out uh, Europe that night again without another one. Turned up, no fight, no nothing. 
and that team another bunch of absolute journeymen just tr- like just so average from beginning front to back I could not right now name you one of them um, and again that's I don't really don't want to talk too much about that era but it's, it's a bit grim at times wasn't it man 2010, 2011. Um, well, of course, we get reinstated, didn't we? Well, aye, I know, but that was still not a nice night to... We weren't to know that. Technically, we beat them 3-0, <laughs> no, 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 I was there, mate. We didn't beat them 3 That actually was a belter in a Celtic team. Um, it was, apart from maybe this guy... Danny Mostorovich, remember they got sent off in the first leg? Uh, Mark Wilson, Chadley, Charlie Mulgrew. Oh, no, but no, Mark Wilson, sorry. Um, the Kelvin Wilson, big centre-half. Uh, it was Scott Brown, Joe Ledley, Keysing Young, Biram Kyle. That is a cracker at midfield. Aye, that's a, so, it's such a... To not do anything against a team let's see on with those players is so bad, so criminal. That's how bad a night we had. Aye, it was mince. But we got to acknowledge it. Aye. Aye, well, all's well. Ends well, no. Shall I move on to the next one? Still. Yes. I'm going to... I'm going to say... So, I did put Rangers in December 2019, but I've covered that previously, and it was close enough, recent enough in everyone's memory. We all know that it was pish. So, I'm going to choose a different game at home to Rangers. Uh, It was my first um, Celtic Rangers game and it was October 2002, three each, so not a loss, but it felt like a loss. Um, it was the one that Arteta scored for the edge of the box, and Big Rab Douglas, it just went right under him. He just made a total, total mess of it. Um, I think from, I mean, I've not watched the game back because I'm still disappointed about it. I was so buzzing to be going. My dad told me I got a ticket the day before. So I'd been up all night, obviously. I was looking forward to it. And then it was just that, that he scored after six minutes and that just kind of set the tone for the rest and I was just couldn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and with that goal being so soft as well, it was just disappointing, man. It felt as though it was a win that got away from him more than a draw rescued or anything. So I just didn't enjoy that too much. I'm trying to think. There's no many other games against Rangers over the years that I think back on you know, we, we, we dread, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there'd be select supporters in an older generation who would, you know, who would be able to point to a couple of games and say, like, you know, that was a bit of a nightmare, you know. But there's no many games I look back on and, and sort of... I can't really think of any effort that might, can you? I know, no, do. that's... I mean, that's what I was saying. You, we were talking about kind of planning for this, and if that, as I say to you, I need to get my thinking cap on, because I can't... It's not been that bad. We've been really lucky. <laughs> well, I've, uh, you're right. We have been very lucky. And my next one is an absolute first world problem. Uh, if ever there was one. Um, right. As you know, Celtic are one of the most successful clubs in you know, football. And more than about your worst Celtic games is, is like sort of, you know, it's, it's obviously they're important. They're no, you know, it's no good that they've happened. But we're still lucky that, you know, the vast majority of the games the club plays, we win, because if you imagine, you know, for example, being a Thistle fan in the past couple of years, just falling through the league, you know, and getting, getting tankings away, mortal and all that sort of stuff, you know, like, we're lucky to be in the spot we're in, um, and one of the, one of the, one of my least uh, favourite Celtic games we've ever been to, 
was on the 14th of March 2004 when we drew at home one each for Motherwell. Do you know why that game is significant? Uh, 2004. Boston's last year, you know, and they just absolutely, you know, dominated, um, you know, teams and they're sensational. But we were playing Barcelona in the new camp a few days uh, after, which ended up becoming Barcelona. And uh, as a result, Martin O'Neill, who was famous for never having any more than 13 players that he liked, uh, decided to rotate the entire starting 11, basically. Um, so the team that started that day was David Marshall, uh, John Kennedy, Paul Mabalgi, Stan Varga. Uh, right wing back was Jamie Smith, um, Petrov and Lambert in midfield with Stephen Pearson, and Ross Wallace playing left wing back. And up front was Craig Beatty and Mo Salah. Now, this was before, Beatty was about 18 at this point, you know, <laughs> like this was before Beatty, you know, he turned in the office of Shrieker for a couple of years later. Um, it was a bit of yeah, a, I mean, you can't really moan about heroes dropping up two points at home after winning 25 consecutive league games. But at the time, I remember being, <laughs> I was only 14, I remember being uh, in the Star and Garter with my dad uh, the week before it, and we were talking about how, uh, you know, how unprecedented that win was. You know, just 25 consecutive victories, like no, you know, no unbeaten or anything like that. Like, just every game we played you know, that season in Scotland we won up until that point. And it just felt like a totally unnecessary game for us to, you know, to, to drop points in. And if you recall, you know, that season, apart from that draw against Motherwell, it wasn't until well into uh, April that we actually dropped points again. I think it was Hearts making mm-hmm. his debut, um, which is another <clears> one, was it? Um, so, we, you know, we, we could have very comfortably that season... Um, went undefeated at home, you know, domestically. Very comfortably. Wouldn't have been much of an issue for it. I just felt dead disappointed that really, even because it fairly would just threw two points away. By the way, do you want to know how good we were back then? Uh, how, maybe, or maybe how naive I, mean, I, was, I, was, how naive I was back then. Um, in the March of 2003-2004, I remember walking into my, uh, my house and saying to my I was worried about money because I wasn't sure how I was going to afford my trip to Gothenburg for you for cup final. <laughs> which is how I ended up getting myself a paper one, which was a uh, proposition. But you know, you, you think about that now, you know, that we were kind of you know, probably should have got there, to be honest. I think it was that for reality that put us in the next round after Barca, but you know, what a, what a, yes. you know, what a team that was. Aye. That Villarreal team were good or not, by the way. Kelmy and Sonny Anderson and Pogacini and you know, that sort of stuff. There. And Belletti as well. Mark. Marcus Senna. Absolute Rolls Royce of a centre mid man. Last one there. Aye. Is that your last one? Uh, aye. So I doubled up with my Rangers one, so that's fine. I've got an I was going to have one as an honourable mention, but I'm going to put it in because it was just 
it's one of the ones where you look back and it was Brendan Rogers' second season. There was a lot of games I remember leaving Celtic Park going, my God, that was torture. Even And, and we won 3-0, like 2-0, but it was just, it, it, we made a bit hard work at it. And just one in particular sticks in my mind um, from February 2018, 0-0 at home at St. Johnson. Um, and in my mind, I thought, I've had it, I had it there that the weather was horrific and it was just, we get soaked on the way to the game and the way back from it, the pub was just, it was empty after it was just rubbish. And right enough, when I looked it up, the photos of the players, they're all drook it, man. They're soaked right through. So my memory served right. We had Kuasi and Masonda were playing. Oh, when I looked um, when I looked up the highlights as well, just again, to double check that it was nearly we were done by the referee. Sky Sports has 30 seconds of highlights. There are three incidences. One of them is a header that goes wide from a Dembele header that goes wide, a header from Wallerspoon maybe, and um, who was the other one? Masonda plays a ball in for somebody who fluffs it as well or hits it straight at the, the goalie. That is it for the whole game. So just ones like that where the weather's terrible, you go and you turn up <laughs> no, no, against St. Johnson, against a team we should be turning over. It just doesn't happen. I, Rogers had uh, Rogers first season we played some decent football, but it, it became like a sort of general consensus. And to be honest with you, a total myth in my opinion that Rogers played good football. Um, they had it in a locker and they could play good football because they had good and better individual players a lot of the time, and Dyla's team did. But for me, you're dead on, mate. There were so many games that you went to watch the Celtic under Rogers where it felt, it, you know, it did they feel like you were watching, you know, liquid football or sort of like expansive football. It was, no. it was quite common that you'd go to games and leave going, this is murder. But yet he never, you know, I guess that's a measure of, you know, his influence. He never really picked up criticism for that, didn't he? No. no. We were turning out wins, and I mean, that's, end of the day, that's what you need to do. All right, well, I'm going to, Jump on my final one. I um, go for it. I wasn't at this game. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was at the first play, <laughs> but it's the most angry I've been after a Celtic game. I think, uh, which was we get beat uh, by Malmo away from home uh, in 2015 uh, in the Champions League uh, kind of playoff for the for the for the group stage. Obviously, Aye. you know the three two game at home had took place a week before. And I think Joanne Gaber got scored for them. In the last minute, Joan Geberga, a guy who, you know, couldn't get a game for us. You know, he was mince, um, and he, you know, really mince. And, you know, he's went to, he's went to uh, Sweden and joined, uh, you know, and joined Malmo. And, uh, I, it was just, it was, it was hard work. I think I'm talking rubbish. I think, it, I think uh, Joan Geberga was Molda, wasn't he? Uh... Let me see. I'm just looking it up now. But I, I, what you're saying about Joan Gaberga is very true because we made him look like freaking Ibrahimovic when no. he was. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, but no, no, you're right. I, just, I was, you know, I was kind of talking there, and I was like, "Hold on a second, I've got, I've got a sneaky feeling he's Molda." But I'm, no, I remember it because we spoke a couple of about you leaving early. I left this game early. Um, I left this game three one, so I was working early the next morning. And uh, of course, that's when Bebe got the Bebe got the, their second goal, three one. 
in the ninety fifth minute, Birgit got their saying goal. Um, what Aye. the reason I was so angry about this game um, was was because of the Malmo manager uh, and the way he, he sort of treated the, the run up to the game. Um, I just I just found him, you know, I just found him just he just put my nose at a joint for the off. It was Aggie Harida, he's a Norwegian coach, and he just had no respect for Dyer. Um, and to be honest, we had no respect for Celtic. He was talking about you know Celtic under the club that they once were, and you know Malmore favourites, and even three two down for the first leg, Malmore favourites. And there was a quote for the goalkeeper, the Malmo goalkeeper had said that Celtic played like you know like pigs or something like that. And Harida came out and sort of says, no, no, it didn't mean, you know, did pigs mean something different here or something like that? You know, like, and just the whole build-up to it was, was torture. So, you know, obviously we go out on the night and after 23 minutes, a big guy, Rosenberg, scored for them, Marcus Rosenberg. Uh, but it was one of the guys yep. I think is about a sort of journeyman, had a decent career, played in England and that, I'm sure. Um, he did die. It was just like, you know, this wee stadium, you know, just gone ballistic, you know, and... and it was so frustrating because, especially under Dyla, you knew you've, you've got nothing for them. Do you know what I mean? Like you've 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 got nothing for them. Um, you're not going to come back for that. And I think we were unlucky actually in saying maybe we hit the post of the crossbar, didn't we? Van Dijk. Uh, we also had an absolute stonewall yeah, penalty tonight. Yeah, uh, your, your big man punched the ball away three right. times. And uh, and then of course Bayata, um, the OG, uh, twenty minutes later, like, sort of confirmed mm-hmm. us, but. Oh, it was just, it was, it was miserable, and and the, the thing that absolutely compounded it and, and makes it probably probably the worst that I can remember watching recently uh, was that of course we went out the next day and sold Van Dyke, um, and that was obviously nice. recouping the money that we'd lost in the, uh, you know, like buying qualifying for the Champions League. So obviously he never owned done anything with his career. Um, so you know, no, I mean good riddance. I'm I'm thankful for the bank balance. Torture that night, you know. Like, I remember just getting upstairs, like you yeah. know. Uh, I'm not a big house drinker, but like yeah, I remember just getting upstairs and being like, right, <laughs> I need a drink, get me something, and you know what I mean. It was just it was torture. Um, I lived in Brighton at the time, and it was that was the same man. I would, my downstairs neighbours must have either been wondering what I was doing up the stairs running, like I was doing laps in the living room and I was shouting all sorts of abuse, man. It was horrendous. Well, that was brutal, wasn't it? Hi. Was... Let's never do that to... again. Uh, to work, to work, yeah. We should probably do top five players. <laughs> top five. Uh, aye, well, let's not, let's not uh, show our hands. Probably a good thing just now what I've seen uh, this, this sort of they played at Paradise thing. Have you seen it? I think that's. Aye. I think there's legs in that. Top five. Aye, definitely. Yeah, you say, like, but, but we'll, we'll get. Oh, I will get the barrel, and there's no been a ball kicked in five months. Eh? <laughs> Aye, we'll get Connor. Aye, yes, uh, Candy Connor. Let's do it. What's some? What's been happening this uh, week? What is the chat? Preview, um, of the going on at St. Mox uh, on the emergency broadcast. The club held a day at ticket campaign last week and raised eighteen hundred quid, um, which is an astronomical amount of money. You know, to give you an idea, five thousand and five thousand one hundred pound. So Rocks have raised as part of this day at ticket campaign. My fans are given a chance to donate the ticket money they would have spent up at the ground. Five thousand one hundred pound. Second place on that list in the juniors is Cambria Rangers with two thousand pound. 
And by the way, Ambi can be a, a full time, well, a professional media guy, sort of doing all the internet stuff for them, literally. So we're doing quite well, you know. I'm really happy with that. It's been myself and and Andy Cabin that have been running it uh, over the past few weeks, and it's been magic. Andy's a great guy, and he's, he's hilarious. It's good to get the chance to actually talk to him anyway, but you know, having a project to work on me has been magic. Right, in addition to that, uh, I, I mentioned to you last week as well, I've started doing a, a podcast with The Rock um, once every couple of weeks, or just, just, just when we need it. It's basically just a way for the fans to keep up to date with what's going on at the club uh, during the coronavirus, and you know, I don't know how much longer it'll last. It could be that it just falls into once every two weeks, once every six weeks, or it replaces some of the formal structures at the club eventually. I, I don't know. You know, It depends on the uptake and how, how many people listen to it. Last week we had about 300, 400 listeners in the space of two days, but I've actually no checked um, the listen count yeah. since. The first one was just myself and Andy Cameron talking through uh, his last season, his last full season at the club. Uh, sorry, no, his second last full season at the club. And then this week, uh, I went up to the park on uh, Wednesday and spoke to El Presidente, Stevie Mullen, um, who's been running it, we're up now for three or four years. And uh, it was a good, interesting conversation. Super candid. Stevie doesn't really put any punches when he talks. And uh, I had five or six questions for him, just asking about his history at the club, etc. But then also getting into a wee bit more of the operational side of things and, and you know, Giving fans an update on what's been happening with things like the AGM and what was supposed to have a speaker's night at Celtic Park that Chris Sutton was going to talk at, and you know um, that's obviously been affected by this and you know just just all these things. Um, so we've got a good forty-five minute conversation with them, and that's up on yeah, the Rocks FC podcast. Just keep it on SoundCloud so it's nice and simple for folk to access. And uh, aye, that, that that could put up there all night. So I'm going to go and speak to the manager next week, Paul Kelly, um, and and. I think with that one, Paul's had a lot of history with The Rock, uh, and he only joined us last year, but not many of the fans know him, so I think maybe what we'll do with that is try and split it up into two sections, the first one being maybe just speak to Paul and find out a bit about his background and that, and his history with the club, and maybe his, what his thoughts were on last season, and then maybe catch up with my game in a few weeks, because I'm, I'm led to believe we've signed a few players, but obviously because of the pandemic, you know, nobody's really formally signed, so um, just wait until things are solidified before we start making any, any announcements, and I know, just, a, just one last note for Candy Corner is that the big centre half, Stephen Bryson, who's like a hungry stalwart, who has played for Rock for five or six years now, he left us briefly, and then came back uh, last season. Um, the ginger, <laughs> the ginger biscuits or something like they call them. I don't know. I see other players on Twitter calling him something, but I can't remember what it is. Terrific big player. Um, I, I really rate him highly, and he's one of the one of the guys that you know. He just makes the team a better, you know, a better team when he plays. And he's he just announced last day uh, tonight that uh, he's leaving the club uh, at the end of the season. And obviously, the new manager's going to bring in his team players and that sort of stuff. But I'm sorry to see him going. I, I think we're a slightly worse team with him. Um, but I hopefully a couple more moves in the next few weeks, and I'll, I'll keep you updated. Well, good luck to the ginger biscuits then. <laughs> well, on this day, right, the twenty first of May. It is. Um, it's been. Bittersweet, it? I mean, it's not been good looking back on it, but it has because it was. What's. How many games? 13 games in all, roughly. Is that right? 13? I think so. And only one of them was really poor. <laughs> they weren't, it wasn't even that poor. It's. Um, aye. Bittersweet is the best way to, to think of it. Um, I would. I, I echo. 
Larson's sentiment and that he would have swapped every other medal that he had for that one. Um, I, I would definitely have liked that to happen as well. Aye, aye. That'd have been good. So, aye, in case you've not picked up on it by now, <laughs> on this day in 2003, Celtic played against uh, FC Porto in the uh, Stadio Olimpico uh, in Seville. Um, but an estimated 80,000 to 100,000 Celtic fans uh, travelled over um, and basically took care, took care of the city for the day. Um, do you want to talk through it from your perspective? I, I was over there, I was at the game, um, and I'm happy to kind of talk through my day of what I remember of it, because I was, I was only 13, but if you want to go through, through your so memory, I, was, I didn't go, did. I, for whatever reason, my dad maybe thought that we'll get there next year. <laughs> <laughs> so we stayed, I stayed at home but we had school that day and I was just raging the whole day because I would look over at other empty chairs for the boys that had had gone and the teachers all knew and like you can't, you can't just pull your kids out of school for a, a midweek jolly to Spain but nobody said anything I mean that was probably one of the benefits of going to a really good Catholic school but <laughs> they didn't nobody said anything but I was raging the whole day but eventually, you know, got over it, was buzzing. Had uh, my mum made dinner for the night and my dad invited uh, one of his best pals over, who he's known for years and years. Um, Derek's a, a Rangers supporter as well, of, of all people. He graced our house on that night. Um, and the four of us sat and watched it. Um, and it was just, I know, it was like end to end. In my memory, and it wasn't he? end to end now that I've watched it back but from in my mind I'm like we could go on and win this at any point and when you watch it back that portal side were excellent they were a nightmare in terms of their I don't want to use the word professionalism that's not the right word temperament's probably a better word their temperament towards the game wasn't great but technical football wise they were superb Um and so are we to a man that night. I don't think it's easy to say that maybe Douglas could have held on to the shot for the first goal, uh, for the, the winning goal, or um, Larson get caught, or whatever, or Bobo shouldn't have dived in if he knew that they, what their antics were. But I think to a man, you can't, you can't blame anybody for what happened that night, man. That was, was unbelievable. And I just will forever feel, I've got that memory of Larson just glancing at the trophy as he walked by it, where he's runners up medal whipped from his neck, and I've never felt so sorry for him in my entire life. Aye, <clears throat> you've summed it up, mate. Uh, it was it was bittersweet. Um, see, when I was younger, like I was, I was bigger than my music, and when I was really young, I used to go to the Celtic games with my dad, but I sort of fell out of love with it for a couple of years. Uh, you know, yeah, she's admitting that. You know, it kind of had other things I wanted to do in my weekend when I was eleven and twelve, and that you know. Uh, but as that season started to sort of develop, and I saw the impact it was having on my dad, <laughs> it started to take heed of the fact that wait a minute, this might be, this might be something you know big, and uh, I when when Selig got through the semi-final 
we watched the semi-final, both my dad and I in the house. Um, we got through the semi-final. Uh, I remember the final whistle, <laughs> and I think it was, yes, I'm going to Seville. Um, and, I, you know, when I think back at it now, it's ridiculous, like, how selfish, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, I'm going to Seville, you know. For my dad, it's like, you know, this, he's getting the opportunity to take his son to a European Cup final and, you know, uh, you know, potentially, obviously, the scramble, the scramble for tickets, depending. Um, but for me, it was just, yes, I'm going to Seville. And obviously, I, that kind of quickly went in my yeah. head that I remembered, obviously, there's a game on here, you know. And then, the, 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 I mean, you know, my dad barely missed a game, you know, all through the, the kind of 80s and, and, and the 90s. Like, you know, you know, an old folk always kind of crack over a bit silly that we were there in the 90s, you know, but he genuinely did me. Like, you know, he was going to season ticket, you know, for, for decades. He was going to games all the place when we were absolutely mince. And whilst nobody is entitled to a ticket, you know, for civil, uh, you know, I, I think he, he felt, you know, that, that he, would, he would maybe get one. And then when it became apparent that the, the traditional means through your supporters bus or, you know, through people you know, um, mm-hmm. weren't they going to be able to get the tickets for you? Um, then I think he started to panic, and I ended up with we ended up no getting one until quite close to you know before the game. Um, we we done a day trip, so the day trip where we we get picked up in a get picked up in a, a motor uh, for the side of where we lived at the kind of housing estate at three in the morning, uh, and we went to Glasgow Airport. I believe it was Glasgow Airport. Straight through flight direct to Seville, and we actually flew over the Porto Stadium. Oh, you're getting a two, you two finger salute at the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck my head in the window, and it let me a big grogger. And what I remember, like first and foremost about that day, what I remember is that when we got off the we got off the plane, nice. Seville, it was sweltering. Like it was, you know, it was just ridiculous. I've been lucky enough, and I was, like, I was ten. My granny and granny took me to Florida, but. It was absolutely sweltering. Uh, and I remember even then thinking to myself, oh, this is a big ask, you know. But when I got into the city centre, um, <laughs> when I got into the city centre, I couldn't believe it, obviously, that the entire... Because we didn't even have a hotel, so there literally wasn't even anywhere to go and drop our bags or something like that. Like, I just, obviously, back then, you know, I didn't uh-huh. have a mobile phone, I didn't have, I didn't have anything. <laughs> I just basically had... My dad put my passport in his backpack, and that was it. I didn't, I didn't have a thing. Um... So we go into the, the city centre and everybody's talking about congregating the square and all that. And I think we kind of went and had a look at the square just to go and see the big daily record V for Victory bus. Uh, and obviously everybody's all starting about singing and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm no joking when I say this, Rob. Like, see the 40s, you see, like, that's what it looked like. It was, you know, it it was mobbed. Like, you couldn't turn the corner, even like you'd walked in a lane or something like that. Like, it was just all guys with hoops on or the, or the yellow alley tap. And eventually we we met um, one of my dad's one of my dad's pals and uh, an older guy um, and I was I was best friends with, with his grandson and they two jumped into their boozers and I'll never forget <laughs> I'll never forget the, the fun like it was like I think it was quite a it must have been like a hotel or something like that, but it was off a beaten track anyway and it wasn't as busy every other boozers was stout for some reason this one wasn't as busy and you know you're boy you don't look at the cost <laughs> of a pipe but I'm, I'm assuming it might have been a bit more expensive or Whatever it would have been, but we found we kind of, I guess we quickly kind of found out why. Um, my dad got up to the two, you know, whatever it is, Stella, 
Så advised that I went to my house or something, whatever it is, I was drinking. So the wee barman pulls out, it's about three o'clock after dinner, my dad's been travelling for 12 hours, talking for a pint. The barman pulls out these two wee, <laughs> like, like these uh, Spanish wine glasses. My dad's like, no, no, <laughs> going to make this a bit bigger or something like that. So eventually he starts, the guy starts dunking them in, like trying to clean the glasses, he dunks it into like, water with fairly liquid in it, and he pulls it out. Yeah. And he dunks it in clean water, and he dunks it in fairly liquid water. And I'm no joking, he must have done it about four or five times. He's spinning the glass, uh, glass cleaning it, dunks it in again. <laughs> I just scared my dad when I asked him, God, he just pour the fucking pint, mate. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, the guy, the guy stopped doing that after that. He just started pouring my pint. I think my dad just went with a car at that point, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but, you know, they sat with a few beers, and, you know, I mean, I walked at Burger King, and then. Eventually, it was it was time to head out to the ground. And if you remember, there was that whole situation about fakes. Um, you know, fake tickets don't have to free well. We got our tickets where we knew that wasn't going to be the case. But the, the the concern was that there was going to be a delay outside the ground, or you know, there was going to be uh, trouble or, or whatever it would be. Uh, so we're not quite early, I believe, in into the stadium and uh, completely by chance went into the stadium. But my my dad's best man at his wedding was sitting across the aisle face um, in, in the stadium and seats were amazing and again even that time at night Rab, the, the heat in the place like you know you talk about the effort the players put in man like the heat was just unbelievable and I was tired you know I was 13 more that we shot a t-shirt one day and obviously we're not supposed to in the morning but you know that just the humidity it must have been incredible for them to play 120 minutes of football and of course no doubt that influence what right, took place definitely. on the Sunday after it, you know. Uh, but, but you know, I just remember yourself, like, you know, it was a, it, it was just, it was chronic, you know, and, and the game itself, you're right, they acquitted themselves well, but I just, the I frustration I've seen the portal players all rolling about the flare, you know, and diving about and all that sort of stuff, and, you know, that see that stadium, but, like, and I don't know if it's just, I've not been there in 17 years, obviously. That stadium is massive. And I don't know if it's because it's got the glass facade behind, mm-hmm. not like the, you know, behind where the portal fans were sitting in that. It's, but a it's a running track stadium as well, isn't it? So it's. Um, aye. Aye. It's yeah. Olympic. It's a Stadio Olympic, one. not it? So it's, it's, it's an Olympic stadium. Um, but oh, it was, you know, it was miserable. And obviously, after the game, we were carted right back to the airport, you know, on the bus, and then, you know, right back to Glasgow and straight to your kit, you know what I mean? It's and you wake yeah. up the next morning as if nothing's happened. You know what I mean? And it's just it was you know, I always appreciate my dad taking me earlier and doing that for us, but uh, but that was a Aye. was Just, an absolute sickener. I remember about the you know the build up was somewhat mixed as well. Um because you look at I mean everyone knew that this portal team were they were good. But that that I mean that Celtic team were unbelievable as well. Like the, the routes, the two routes that the the teams had to the final, in my opinion, couldn't really be more different. So the, the amount of superb teams we had to beat <laughs> to get there, um, compared to Porto, was just frightening. And you would just thought you looked at all the games where you know, so Blackburn, we were expected to lose probably by the swaths of English media and. Um, I reckon as well to a man, they weren't too far off us. We were better man man to man, I think, but um, that way we were, I, we were written off a wee bit, but no, we beat them. 
We beat Figo again. Very good side that year. Excellent. Stuttgart as well. Filled with German internationals when they were second and third in the Bundesliga consistently. Very good side. And then as well, Liverpool. Nobody expects Celtic to beat Liverpool after 1970-whatever. <laughs> like, and we did. It was brilliant. And uh, as well, Boa Vista took two of another good side, but they were they were more kind of dogged. I remember they they were um, they kind of sat in a wee bit and they tried to. Were they one each in the first leg, weren't they? Aye, they had done a wee goal to defend. That's why the second leg was absolutely torture because they had. What do we have? Eighteen minutes or sixteen minutes or something like that left after Larson scored to see out. It was a. Like, I think I, I can't remember. I saw something with an eight in it the day. I thought it was eighteen. It was Alan Thompson saying that he couldn't. He was over the moon when Larson scored, obviously. But then he looked at the clock and he thought it was going backwards. He was like, "How's it been eighteen minutes left on that clock for so long?" <laughs> I, and I, and it's funny just to sort of interject there for a quick second. You see, before that game. I don't know if this is one of these sort of tales of Celtic folk, folklore. Before Celtic played in the semi-final, UEFA meet with the security officers for the four clubs. So at that season, they met with Lazio, Porto, uh, Bovista, and like delegates uh, and Celtic delegates. So I think it was like Ronnie, something I can't remember the guy's name now. Was he Ronnie Hawthorne, was it? But the guy was ahead of security. And again, this could be absolute mince. Um, but I don't think it is, because um, I've heard a few people say it now. And uh, what they were saying is that they asked them for an estimate how many people would travel. And you know, the guy for Lazio was like, you know, 15,000 or something like that. And the, the guy for Port was like, you know, 11,000 or something. The guy for Port was like 6,000 or something. <laughs> and the UFA guy says to him, like, many do you think he'll, he'll go? And he was like, <laughs> this could be anything, mate. Like, <laughs> this could be anything. And the, the guy had for you for a conversation, you know, as if to say, like, no, I don't know what chance I'm going to go, you know, Thursday, isn't it? No chance I'm going to go, no, you know, a Thursday and travel, sort of. But it was just a, I think that's why I, I look back on it so fondly because, you know, say, like, as a club, obviously, I've got a massive fan base, but it takes big events like that to, to sort of remind you that and solidify that. And, uh, when I look back on it, that's the first thing I think he is. Obviously, you know, the fact that, well, 100,000 people Aye. went to Spain for a day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you think about that, it's, it's mental. And, like, you know, it could have been more than that, I don't know. Like, But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was because Seville's not a small city and it, it, you know, it just felt like it was completely overrun that day. Um, but it was... Um, it was do you want to hazard a guess at the aggregate scores from all, like, all six games for Celtic and for Porto. So Porto, they had to play Polonia, Warsaw, Austria, Vienna, Lens, Daniels, Lisboa, Panathinaikos and Lazio. So they had basically two good teams to play the scumbags, man. So what do you reckon that their overall score was? Roughly? Um, Aye, aggregate. Do, oh, do you mean the, the aggregate, like the net score? Go different. <laughs> Um, I don't know, mate, because I remember them being quite a defensive team, uh, and I, I would estimate it being quite low. So maybe say well, like they actually they won twenty six eight. So they scored more than you would think. 
that's what's that, 14? No, six, 18, sorry. Do you know what? I don't know why I said that because earlier on the podcast uh, we spoke about Larson and Derley being the top scorer uh, that year, so that makes perfect sense. And they also had a couple of, when you look back at that Porter team, there's a couple of good, good players, and one in particular that, that stuck right. out and made a great name for himself <laughs> in Scotland was Nuno Capuccio. Do you remember, yeah, you know, he <laughs> signed for Rangers that summer after that, uh, and he's coming to in a short time in <laughs> Scotland, but. But honestly, like, what a day that was. And again, something I'll hang on to forever, but, Aye. you know, just, just that lot of fun, uh, 27-12. So slightly smaller aggregate score, but we scored more goals. Just. Okay. That well, is a good, good man. Quick man. <laughs> uh, no, not really. I think we've covered plenty this week. Good. Okay. Well, that's what comes down. We'll, we'll finish up. Um, thanks again Cheers to Andrew for letting us use his song. I'm very, very kind of you. And you can follow him on Twitter at AndrewMallon91. Top Tim. Uh, would recommend 10 out of 10. Cheers. Cheers. And, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for listening.